0: There is no such thing as a good or a bad feeling or emotion. All emotions are experiences. They're natural experiences that we have, and they're not to be judged as good or bad. They're just to be experienced.
1: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 398 with guest Mark Brackett. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast I am so glad that you are here And if you are on this side of the planet I hope you're having a fantastic summer Mark Brackett is here on the show I heard him on Brene's podcast And instantly went and devoured his work And knew that I had to invite him on the show I'm so happy that he said, yes, you're going to love this conversation and learn so much. I wanted to remind you that coming up on August 5th is a free webinar on self-confidence, which is also a preview I my new book that's coming out August 31st. So August 5th is the webinar and it's all about taking up space. It is about shining bright and about asking for everything that you want. I have this methodology that I came up with. I wanted you to have something easy to walk away with, to implement in your regular everyday life to learn how to have more self-confidence. I feel like we could all use a little bit more of that. The only requirement is that you pre-order my book. It doesn't matter if you get it on audiobook, ebook, regular book to hold in your hands, just pre-order it and you can sign up for the webinar for free. And also there's a free workbook that goes along with the book I ask over 250 questions in the book and I was like, I need people to have a workbook and I don't want them to have to purchase it. So we made a beautiful one that coincides with the book and it's yours free if you pre-order the book. So head on over to andreaowen.com slash noise and you can see everything there. You can figure out where you're going to grab the book. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get it on Amazon or anything like that. But yeah, that's your ticket to come to the webinar and interact with me for free. I cannot wait to see you. I'm really excited to do this. It's been so long since I've done anything live with y'all. And yes, there will be a recording if you can't make it. AndreaOwen.com slash noise. So over the weekend, I was having a wonderful dinner with my husband, just the two of us. We were celebrating our 13-year wedding anniversary at the Cheesecake Factory. I love the Cheesecake Factory. I do I do. Anyway, we were we were talking about being married for 13 years and some of the things that we love about each other, that we love reasons that we love being married to one another and it just became this deeper conversation talking about the work that we've done together and individually and my husband sort of half joked that he's grateful that I kind of dragged him kicking and screaming into "quote unquote the work." And you know, you've been around these parts long enough where you probably understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the work. It's, it's not one specific thing. It's just our own stuff. It is taking responsibility and accountability for our behaviors and, and learning how to be our best self. That's really it in a nutshell. And I really thank the work that I started doing in 2014 around shame work. And you may have heard me say this before. If someone would have told me 10, 15 years ago that that's the work I would not only be doing in my personal life, but facilitating for others, I would have been like, y'all have got to be kidding me. (laughs) Shame work? No, thank you. But it's been instrumental. It's been truly instrumental. I do take women privately through the process. I'm I'm certified in Brene Brown's work and it's a methodology called The Daring Way that teaches you shame resilience. It teaches you really fantastic and healthy coping mechanisms. So if you're interested in doing that, there's no obligation to fill out an application and see if it's a good fit for you. AndreaOwen.com slash apply. And if that's not a great fit, it might be not where you're at quite yet. We do have other options. I have two lead coaches, Liz and Sabrina are standing by to work with with women at really many, many capacities. So I would love for you to check it out and just see if it's a great fit. AndreaOwen.com slash apply. Oh, and P.S. If you are somebody who is a coach or an aspiring author, aspiring podcaster, I also do consulting as well as my lead coach Liz does that as well, where we can help you Get through a writing a book proposal process, getting your business off the ground. just just apply. Just apply, and we'll we'll let you know if it's a good fit. All right. So Mark Brackett, let me tell you a little bit about him for those of you that are new to him. Mark Brackett, PhD, is the founding director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and a professor in the Child Study Center at Yale University. His research focuses on the role of emotions and emotional intelligence in learning, decision making, creativity, relationships, health, and both academic and workplace performance. His research has been featured in popular media outlets such as the New York Times, Good Morning America, and the Today Show. Mark is the author of Permission to Feel, Unlocking the Power of Emotions to help our kids, ourselves, and our society thrive. So without further ado, here is Mark. Mark, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I am so excited to talk to you because for several reasons, first and foremost, this is a um, a topic very dear to my heart. I heard you on Brene Brown's podcast, and I'm a, a certified Daring Way facilitator. So I've trained with her and her senior faculty. And um, I'm sure like most of the people you have researched and maybe even talked to, I and a lot of my listeners, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about emotions. So I always joke that I have a lot of making up to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I am I'm excited to to jump into this this conversation. And I want to start by by asking you. I mean, it's no secret that we live in a culture and society where men and women are are encouraged and taught to hide or ignore, you know, push aside their emotions. So can you can you start by sharing why why it's essential to focus on feelings as a society and just as a whole person?
0: Sure. That's a that's a big question. That might take the whole time.
1: It is. I know. It's a lot of question in one.
0: Well, you know, it really starts off with, you know. The title of my book which is permission to feel and that Mm -hmm. you know i decided to call it permission to feel because i realized you know now i'm 51 you know that most people don't have the permission to be their true full feeling selves many people don't feel like they can express their true feelings and so when you think about that and you know that we're feelings creatures it's like so. What happens to those feelings? They get suppressed. Mm-hmm. They get repressed. They get eaten. They get you know swept away or under the rug. They get acted out. They get you know poured down your throat with alcohol.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so
0: you know the list goes on about how we've never had an emotion education you know to support us in being comfortable talking about feelings. Even the simple question. Let's just, maybe we can just even do this. You know, Andrea, tell me, ask me how I'm feeling.
1: How are you feeling? Fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is a lie because I asked you before we started recording and you said something else. <laughs> right.
0: But most people, what, what do we say? Fine. Okay. Good. Whatever.
1: Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Great.
0: Now ask me again.
1: Mark, how are you feeling?
0: Gosh, Andrea, it's like this odd mixture of anxiety, frustration, despair, and overwhelm. you you froze
1: (laughs) yeah I'm like well yes I have a lot of things I could say but yeah you know it's like oh okay that's a lot
0: that's a lot good luck Mark a lot of us you know especially during this pandemic feel that way I can tell you that I feel that way and and so the question is you know when you ask me how I'm feeling a do I feel safe and comfortable to share how I truly feel B, when I share what I feel. Are you going to listen? How's how are you going to respond to that? And you can see how you know this little question of "Hey, how are you feeling?" is actually much more complex. And because we haven't really had any training in the language of emotion, in the understanding of emotion, in the management of emotion, I think we just kind of we moved on to like "How's it going?" right? And then you say, fine, and move on.
1: Yeah, it is. It is one of those things. I, I personally, it really depends on the person. I'm fairly transparent about how I'm feeling, but I'm also very careful to then quickly tell them, but I'm okay, but I'm really okay. So if I am feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and nervous, I, I automatically feel like, okay, don't, I don't want that person to feel like they have to take care of me. So, I kind of sweep it under the rug after I'm honest about my feelings, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. What role do emotions play in uh, decision-making and things like workplace performance?
0: So I like to think about emotions as data or information. They're there as a system to give us stuff to think about, stuff to do. You know, so when you're, you know, having a strong feeling like a fear, it's saying, there's danger, don't go there. When you're experiencing lots of joy, right? It's saying approach, 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 and so emotions are information, they're data, and very importantly, I think that we have a society going back to that first question about how you're feeling that sees emotions as good or bad, and I want to dispel that notion. There is no such thing as a good or a bad feeling or emotion. All emotions are experiences. They're natural experiences that we have, and they're not to be judged as good or bad, they're just to be experienced. And so you think about decision making. A lot of people think, well, I'm a rational creature. Like, it was my conscious choice to say that or do that. But the truth is, your feelings are behind almost all of your judgments and decisions. So for example, for the teachers or the parents in the room who understand education, I did a study years ago where we asked people to think about a good day or a bad day. Pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And then we had them grade papers. And what we found was there was a one to two full grade difference in the way the educators evaluated the same exact essay. But when we asked them, do you believe that how you felt had any influence? 90% denied it. Yeah. So what does that tell us? It says how we feel influences the way we see the world and the choices we make, but it happens outside of awareness. That attribution you know, of our feeling diminishes when we understand why we're having our feelings.
1: I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from one of our sponsors. You've heard many of the guests here on the podcast who are licensed therapists, and you know, I encourage everyone to go to therapy. I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors, because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Their licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and their service is available for clients worldwide. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com com slash kickass, join over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp H E L P dot slash kickass, and thank you so much for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. So my children now are eleven and thirteen, and I knew that. And you know, I'm sure you hear this a lot. You know, people who are going to talk about their childhoods preface it by saying. My parents were really great people and Yeah, exactly. Um, they love me. You know, but. Again, like I said, <laughs> yeah, they love me, but didn't grow up in a family where they had they had the emotional intelligence. I I always say, you know, I was emotionally illiterate. And I knew going into parenthood that I wanted that to be different. And I was also going through my own stuff of, of how, how, you know, I had to learn how. And what I've always told my children, and again, I'm not sure exactly where I heard this advice from, but it was very early on, is to tell them all of your feelings are normal. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. You're never wrong for feeling whatever it is that you feel, but what you're responsible for is your behavior. Therefore, it's not okay for you to be nasty or slam the door in my face or like those types of things that, you know, children might do. And that's been enormously helpful for myself too, to take my own advice, Mm -hmm. but it's very simple. And that's, that's one of the pieces of advice in parenting that I like to share that, and please, like you're the expert on this, like, am I doing it right?
0: I think you're. I think you're making a good point, but I want to talk about the reversal. Okay, um, or the reverse, I should say, which is that you are responsible for the way you act in the world, right? So you think about it. It's, it's kind of emotion, and then it's managing the feeling, and then it's behaving. However, I think for parents who are our listeners, one of the, the sayings that we have in the center is that behavior does not equal emotion. So what does that mean? Well, you know, I'll give you my own example. When I was a kid, I was bullied in school and I really was not doing well in school. I would come home. I hate you. I'm never going to school again. And what would happen is that my mother would get activated by that. Who do you think you are talking to me that way? Right? Go to your room. You know, wait till your father gets home. Mm. Um, classic <laughs> 1970s parenting. Yeah. Um, and so... Here I was feeling fear um, about going to school and getting bullied and hurt, and I'm being punished for it because my mom was so activated by my behavior that she couldn't deactivate her own feelings in order to really find out how I was feeling to help me regulate. Mm -hmm. And so I just think for parents, to me, I I don't know what what it is, but we're trained to just observe behavior. Oh, you know, Mark is stomping his feet, he's angry you know, um, Jill is crying, she's sad. And the truth is, Jill might be crying because she's feeling shame. And Mark might be stomping his feet because he's afraid. Mm -hmm. And so don't make the mistake of what I'm going to say, attributing the emotion to the child. Your your goal, I hope, is to be that compassionate, self-regulated, Parent who is a who is an emotion scientist who's curious and exploring to find out what's really going on, what's the story behind the behavior, what's the feeling behind the behavior, so that then you can help the child manage
1: or person. I mean, if someone's in a a romantic relationship or friendship, yeah, partner, friend, colleague yeah I love that term and I know this is this is from from your book and I would love for you to expand on that a little bit and and i if you say I want everyone to become an emotion scientist so can you can you say more a little bit about that?
0: Sure so the emotion scientist is open to emotion curious about emotion mm-hmm. you know really wants to get specific about how they're feeling they're not comfortable just saying fine or stressed They want to say well is it Am I anxious? Am I overwhelmed? Am I feeling too much pressure? Um, am I afraid? Because all of those are different experiences. It's funny. I just did a talk a little while ago for the government. I asked these all these leaders in the government, you know, what's the difference between anxiety, stress, fear, overwhelmed, and pressure? And they're like, nothing, 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 nothing. I'm like, it wasn't a trick question, guys. <laughs> um, and so, why should a mom or dad? know this about their, you know, why they need to have this specificity because you have to name it to tame it because anxiety is about uncertainty. Fear is about danger. When you're overwhelmed, it just means you you feel like you have no escape. Mm -hmm. And those are different experiences that need different supports. So my goal is to help parents become those curious emotion scientists who are kind of trying to get at what's underneath the behavior, um, to discover, whereas the emotion judge, you know, my father was kind of an emotion judge. Get over it, like get over yeah, it. <laughs> that
1: was that was my mom. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like what do you have to? What are you crying about? Um, mm-hmm. Or my father, who was not very good at regulating his feelings, he'd often say things like, "Son, this is who I am. Just get used to it." And I remember Ugh. thinking to myself, "You know, now I think, yeah, I'll get used to it. I'll, you know, have ten years of therapy and I'll get a doctorate <laughs> in awesome psychology and try to help <laughs> other people learn these skills." <laughs>
1: Well, that was actually another one of my very curious questions is how you came to this work. Like, were you a little boy and said, like, when I grow up, I want to, you know, create the center of, and I'm forgetting the name of it now, Emotional intelligence, yeah. <laughs> the, center, the Center for Emotional Intelligence at Yale. How did you come to this work?
0: Um, well, you know, the real story is that I had a lot of trauma in my childhood um, that went untalked about until I was, you know, just becoming a teenager And there was one adult, that was my uncle Marvin, Mm -hmm. who was my mother's brother, who was that compassionate emotion scientist. And he was the only person who ever really asked me how I felt, but did it in a way that made me want to answer. And he didn't say, you know, toughen up kid, get some grit kid, be resilient. He just said, my goodness what are we going to do together? How am I going to support you? Let's talk through this. Let's let's describe it. Let's find strategies. And so I argue you know, that my uncle gave me that permission to feel. And it really made a difference for me for middle school and high school, having my uncle Marvin be my hero. Um, and then I went to college and I was struggling with who I was as a person and what am I going to do with my life? And I'm giving you my like entire life story here. Um,
1: no, I, I, if you could see me right now, I've got like my head in my uh-huh. hand and I'm just over here listening. I appreciate it. transparency. So,
0: then I'm in therapy. Cause I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to be, I was teaching martial arts at the time. And I was like interested in psychology. I was interested in law. I was interested in everything. And then I was, I had this epiphany when I was in therapy that everything i was like kind of trying to figure out with my therapist and then everything i was reading like those self-help books that people on this podcast are interested in they were all leading me to uncle marvin and the stuff mm-hmm. that he did with me cuz he was a teacher and he was doing this stuff with kids so i called my uncle and i'm like can i pull you out of retirement and can we work on a curriculum together and so that was my beginning you know of doing this work and oh gosh how neat um and that was in my early twenties. And then I realized, well, I don't really have any credibility. Like I'm a neurotic Jewish college graduate, you know, like who's going to want to listen to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm kidding, but you know, I had no credibility you know, my uncle was retired already. So I'm like, I don't know. A 24 year old neurotic karate teacher writes a curriculum on emotional intelligence with, you know, a 65 year old retired trumpet player slash former middle school teacher it doesn't seem like a recipe for publishing. And um, anyhow, so I went and I learned who were these experts and the, the theorists. And the. I applied, got into one of the programs, got my PhD studying emotional intelligence. And then throughout that process, I worked with my uncle on our curriculum. And then I got to Yale very fortunately after I graduated and then was able to work with the now president of Yale. And started the center. And here we are, many years later and with here we are a big team of
1: twenty twenty one.
0: You know, a big team who are trying to make a difference in the world.
1: That's amazing. This this work is so important. And I it, it makes me curious about this younger generation. So again, I mentioned my my children are younger and especially my 11-year-old and Gen Z seems to be very in touch with their feelings. And this is merely my opinion. And I'm very curious what you think about this. Um, sometimes to the point of over-identification, I feel like, like <laughs> my daughter asks me, mom, do I have anxiety? And I'm like, I didn't even know what that was until I was in my twenties yeah. getting a diagnosis of <laughs> in my doctor's office. Yeah. But what is your, like, well, maybe you could tell us what do you feel like is the difference between emotional regulation and emotional intelligence and kind of going overboard with it or is can you go overboard
0: so the way i like to think about it right the emotion scientist uses their emotions wisely to achieve well-being to build and maintain healthy relationships to have good physical and mental health to make good decisions to you know achieve goals and dreams in life and so those are my criterion, and you know. So when you think about the things that we do um, that are not helpful, you know, yelling, screaming, eating too much junk food, denying, um, acting out, like, all right. So does that help you have well being? Does it help you build and maintain healthy relationships? Well, not really. All right, then what works? Well, the first from my perspective is you got to give yourself the permission to feel. The second is that you have to become the emotion scientist. The third is you got to learn the skills of recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing, regulating emotion. And then, all right, so what's the strategies? Well, you got to learn how to deactivate, right? Because when you're really kind of been triggered or you're feeling a strong, intense emotion, you can't think clearly, you can't problem solve. Oh, So that's where breathing exercises and mindfulness comes in. But that's not going to solve the world's problems, right? You've got to be able to problem solve and you've got to be able to maybe shift your thinking. Like for example, during the pandemic, a lot of catastrophic thinking, a lot of self-criticism. Well, how do you go from self-criticism to self-compassion? How do you go from blaming to reframing or reappraising? And so what I feel strongly about is that we make, these strategies for healthy emotion regulation available to parents and to kids from very, very you know early on, and then it becomes developmental, right? So, you know, think about it. When you're in kindergarten, you you know, Mark, you can do this. You know, I have a, a niece who um, I'll never forget. This she is she was seven at the time, and she had a, a little bit of a speech, a little bit of a lisp. And she was mm-hmm. so afraid, she, but she wanted to be in the school play in second grade. But Uncle Mark, I'm afraid I'm going to get fun and make fun of me. And so she didn't have strategies. Like, I didn't. Did anybody, did you have an emotion coach growing up in your house?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, no.
0: And so I'm like, well, Uncle Mark's going to take over Uncle Marvin for mm-hmm. Esme. And so I said, like, well, what, what, can, what can we say to ourselves when we have these feelings, when you get those butterflies in your stomach and when you start thinking I can't do this what can you say to yourself? And we worked together for you know a while to list things that she could say to herself that really were her ideas. Yeah. Long story short, is she does a school play, she's so excited, she does a great job, mm-hmm. and she jumps off the stage. Uncle Mark, I use my strategies. And I said, Well, which one did you use today? And she goes, Well, when I got nervous, I took my deep breath and I said to myself, Esme, face your fears and i think oh my gosh think about that a seven-year-old having that level of sophistication to manage her emotions i don't even want to begin to tell you where my brain was at at seven years old and same so it's possible but we the people who are raising and teaching kids have to learn it first
1: yeah, that made me a little emotional for a second and it doesn't happen to me very often on this show so I appreciate your your story and and God bless your niece. I want I want to talk about before I let you go, I want to talk about your app. Sure the mood meter app and and just so I'm clear, was this originally made for children or is it for everyone
0: No, actually it was a, the app was originally made for adults.
1: Okay, good because I downloaded it mm-hmm. and I think it's amazing and I want everyone to, to both get your book and this app because just to, before you before you start talking about it what I have found in my conversations with clients and and the women that listen to this show is that many times and I'm sure that you've heard this before we grow up and kind of don't know what it is that we're feeling and can't point to it because we've spent so many years, like you were saying, offloading or numbing out or dismissing or feeling like our feelings were wrong. We, we don't know what they are. And so then it's be like, how do I feel my feelings if I don't even know what they are in the moment? Mm-hmm. So that's why one of the reasons I was so excited to, to see your app. So can you tell us about that?
0: So the mood meter tool is built in a lot of science. And my colleague, David Caruso, you know, worked on the first version of the Moon Meter. um, And then we applied it to our work in schools and with families. And uh, another colleague of mine, Robin, and I had the opportunity to work with a tech company to build the app. And actually, we're going to be updating the app in the next four months. And it's going to blow your mind with the features it's going to have. So just stay tuned. My thinking about technology is that you want to use it when it can be helpful, and so it's hard to keep track of your feelings like right how do you do that how do you keep track of? you're going to write a piece of paper every day and like put on your mirror in your bed you know it doesn't make sense so why not build a tool that can help people a build their vocabulary and b start unpacking the reasons for their feelings and c learn strategies to help them regulate their feelings and d learn you know about their data you know, in aggregate. So, if what I mean by that is, you know, after you use the tool for, let's say, a couple of weeks, you can hit your report and you think, so where have I been living on this mood meter? And by the way, the mood meter is this tool that has four colors yellow, red, blue, and green. The yellow is high energy, pleasant feelings like happy, excited, ecstatic, and cheerful and hopeful. The red is high energy, unpleasant feelings, which are, you know, frustrated, and overwhelmed, and anxious, and angry. The blue is down, disappointed, hopeless, despair, sadness. And the green is calm, content, peaceful, tranquil. And so there's these hundred words that are in these four colors. And so it's nice to know like, wow, over the last two weeks, you know, I've been 75% in the red and the blue. Yeah. Like, well, how's that impacting my well-being? I'm repetitive here, right? My relationships, my decision-making, my performance. What do I need to do differently to support myself? to experience a greater balance of pleasant to unpleasant emotions. So that's why that we have the tool and it's been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times and people really love it.
1: And it has really good ratings on, um, I'm looking at the, <laughs> the Apple store. I, I, Love this so much. I feel like I want to marry it. It's so <laughs> exciting because... Okay, let me back up. I'm, Andrea's getting excited over here. So I got sober in 2011. I was a very high-functioning... I identify as an alcoholic. I had a very high bottom. No one even knew. I got out early. A couple of years before that, I was in recovery from pretty severe codependence and love addiction. So I know what it's like to run away from your feelings mm-hmm. and your problems. So for me, I always tell people like it was never the wine. It was never the relationship. It was never the control. It was all about my feelings or, you know, for more specifically how, tr- trying to figure out how to run away from them. And I, I work with a decent amount of women who are also struggling with their relationship with alcohol, for instance, and I, I keep telling them it, the quantity doesn't matter. The symptom doesn't really matter. What's underneath all this that we're trying to uncover is where are you at with your emotions? And I love this, that they can keep track of it and really look in, in pretty colors <laughs> and take inventory of where they're at because you can't help yourself if you don't know how you're feeling.
0: There you go. You're, the, you're, you're, you're hired.
1: <laughs> I'm on track. Thank you, Mark. I am so glad to talk to you. So, again, everyone, the, the book is Permission to Feel Unlocking the Power of Emotions to Help Our Kids, Ourselves, and Our Society. That link will be in the show notes along with a link to the app. And before you go, is there anything that you missed that you wanted to circle back with and say you, the website you want to send people to? Anything at all?
0: Sure. I mean, my website has access to the apps, my book, you know, free articles. I even have a virtual book club that people can join.
1: I saw that. Is that ongoing?
0: Um, it goes like we do it every six weeks, a couple times a year. Okay. So we're in week Perfect. two right now. But um, so it's just Mark with a C, M-A-R-C bracket, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T dot com. And you can just learn all about our work. Um, and so I, I just would end by saying, you know, when you understand the science of emotion and how critical the skills of emotional intelligence are for our children's health and performance and success and happiness in life, it really becomes our moral obligation as the parents and teachers you know, who are raising kids to be the best possible role models for them. And so I hope people will just take this work seriously and strive to be that emotion scientist and um, so that their children's dreams can come true.
1: Uh, Let's end on that. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, thank you so much for being here as well. You know how grateful I am for your time. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone.